announcement. No. <laughs> yes. I apologize. <laughs> I wanted to say this. Excuse me. Sorry. For the fundraiser, we raised over $1,000 for the kids. I apologize. As uh, Pastor Sandra is coming and she prepares to share, I do want to remind you that next Saturday morning at 11 o'clock, we have a memorial service for Kyle's father, uh, Timothy, uh, Timothy White, and that will be at 11 a.m. in the morning. So if you want to come and support Kyle and his mother, Nancy, that will be next Saturday at 11 here at the church. Pastor Sandra, welcome. Thank you. Good morning, family. I feel so blessed, two Sundays in a row, wow, yeah. Bookends, great bookends to a wonderful week with my grandsons in the Chicago area. So I'm here to just share a little bit about um, a recent trip uh, in April over to Kenya, first time that I was able to get back since we were there in August of 2021. So it was, um, it was short, about a week, but uh, it was very, very productive. Ashley did a pastor's conference for about 125 pastors uh, in Soy, that was sponsored by the Soy Pastors Fellowship. We had a great time. That's the first pastors conference I've done in Soy uh, in, in a long, long, long time. And I appreciated the, uh, the reception and the opportunity to share with them. My traveling companion, I'm not quite sure what slide is next. Oh, nope. Update on Patty's heart, all right? Uh, <laughs> This is one of the prayer benches. The prayer garden has been started, uh, and the finishing touches will be when those fruit trees that you see around that one particular bench um, are grown. We were given mango, lemon, and avocado trees uh, that were planted by one of the Patty's Heart graduates who's now working uh, with environmental, uh, an environmental organization. In addition, I think the trees right behind that bench are just indigenous to the soy area. And so it'll take about three to five years for the fruit trees to grow and start bearing fruit. When they do, the kids will, will be able to, uh, to harvest and have their own fruit. Uh, the memorial we had shown you, the Pastor Ben Memorial, we had shown you, I think, when I was here in March. The, uh, the gardens in the center are pretty much done. There are a few more flowers that they want to plant, but uh, we wanted to make the area just a really pretty area for the children as they walk out of their dorms in the, in the morning. And uh, so most of the planting is done there. And the playground is pretty much furnished. We're going to be raising some money, put in another merry-go-round. If you can see in the back, the kids are on the merry-go-round. That's actually their piece of playground equipment. Uh, we have a double slide, but we only were able to get them one merry-go-round. So we do want to get them uh, one more. That was a Saturday when we were first there, and the kids were just outside, a little bit of a break. Traveling companion Judy is behind, behind Mom Jane. Judy's the one with the, the gray hair. She actually uh, went with me so that she could share her sewing skills with the women. She taught the women how to make personal hygiene kits, girls at Patty's Heart when they reach puberty. We took a whole suitcase full of uh, kits that Judy had made, but she worked with some of the women from the church showing them how to make kits so that they can replenish the kits that we gave the girls, and they can also do repairs to uh, school uniforms. Mom Jane has had to be somebody from the community to do that kind of stuff, so Judy Judy worked them. We had raised money for three uh, treadle sewing machines, and so um, the women were very, very excited to to get a chance to uh, to 
participate with the work at, at Patty's Heart that way and do whatever they can to come alongside Jane. Her church is so very, very, and uh, I just appreciate that so much of them, how, how much they have really stepped up and caught the vision for Patty's Heart and the work that's doing there. The work that's getting done there, sorry. Last phase of, um, or the last part of the first phase construction project is the construction of Mom Jane's house. I believe I shared that when we were here in March. Uh, we do have almost enough money now for well, her septic system. She's just waiting on the uh, fundi, we call him, who's the overseer. Uh, to finish the job that he's working on now, and then we'll get started on her house so that she can move to the be and be much more accessible. And so thank you so much. I want to thank those of you who are child sponsors, and uh, just thank you for, uh, for your immense love for this ministry. We appreciate it so much. The children pray for you. They pray for this church. They pray for the sponsors. Now that they've met Pastor Randy, uh, I know that they're also praying for him uh, because these kids are definite, definite prayer warriors. The other thing that I was able to accomplish while Judy was doing her thing, after I was finished with Pastors Conference, I spent two days in Eldoret, which is a city about 30 miles away from Soy, uh, preparing for our trip in the fall. We are going in September, and you actually have four people from Cross Community this time who are going with me. Uh, Pastors Randy, Pastor April, M. Tucker, and uh, Jory Jenkins. Pastor Randy will be helping me with Pastor conferences, and um, Pastor April will be working with the eye clinic, and Kim and Jory will be working with the younger age children as we do the school outreaches. So I was able to meet with all the coordinators and got, got most of the thing done. If you know me at all, I'm a planner, and I like to plan way ahead and be real organized. So I appreciated the opportunity to um, to get to do that in person instead of via emails that just get a whole lot more done. So thank you for your prayers. I'm asking that you pray for our upcoming trip, September 20th to October 5th. And also there are some financial needs. So I'm going to once again ask you to take out your checkbooks or get an offering. Just mark it missions. Please specifically mark Kenya missions trip, all right? And all funds will go to these four members. We appreciate it so much. The year when we did this for Pastor Randy, you went over and above uh, what we were believing for. And I'm believing that every need is going to be supplied. So I just want to remind you that this campaign, this fundraising campaign is way. There is a payment that they're going to have due June 1st. So no pressure, but if you feel the Holy Spirit leading you to give, if you could do so, so that that could get included in their June 1st payment, it would be really awesome. Thank you so much. I just want to tell you the joy it is to be here. I was so excited that I got to be here two weeks in a row. And I also, I also want to encourage you you have an amazing church. You have an amazing pastor. You have an amazing staff. And I just encourage you, know you come every week, and sometimes you kind of get, okay, we're going to church again. From somebody who's on the outside looking in, this church is amazing. It really is. And, and I just want to thank you for being part of what God is doing here and what God is, is doing in the region. My heart and my prayers and my love are with you. Thank you so much. That's the same. This step's a little tricky, y'all. If, if you ever wonder why I help folks up and down these steps, there's a short step. It's a little tricky. 
And sometimes, especially if you're wearing bifocals, whoop, you know. So anyway, that's why. But uh, man, it's so good to, to be here together with God's people this morning. Amen, church? You know, Sunday is the highlight of the week. Obviously, it's the highlight of my week, right? It's, it's what I work for all week long. And I do work more than one day a week, contrary to what some of you believe. But I don't just work for Sunday, but Sunday is the climax, obviously. It's icing on the cake. And um, so it, I always look forward to being in God's house with God's people. Don't you? Amen, amen. Well, we are continuing the series this morning, Striker, and I hope that you are getting something out of this series. I know I am. If it's speaking to no one else, uh, this is truly speaking to me. You know, many times as a pastor, I have to go through and live what I'm about to teach to you. Um, any pastor that doesn't live what they're about to teach, uh, needs to kind of go back and remember what it's really all about because every word that I bring to you, I have to live before I bring it. I have to process it. I have to pray about it. I have to try to apply it. In some cases, I'm still applying it. I'm still trying to get it. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it or whatnot. But, uh, you know, this series has been really good for me because there are so many different little things about uh, this series that just really hit and speak personally. And again, the, the passage of scripture in Arrow Striker that we have referenced over the last four weeks is 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 through 19. Now, in Breakfast Club, I did something a little unique that I can't really do in here in a service like this. And that is that I asked them how this particular passage of scripture has been speaking to them and um, what, it, what it has meant to them, so on and so forth. And uh, we can't do that because obviously it would, we would lose track of time and it would just all be over before I even got started. And, but hopefully you're chewing on this passage a little bit and asking the Lord, what is it that you want me really uh, get from this passage of scripture? What are you speaking to me personally about as it relates to being an arrow striker? Because in week one, we talked about becoming an arrow striker and what it means to be arrow striker. Week two, we talked about the opportunity is in front of us. I'm here to tell you, friends, we have opportunities. E even with this path, with, you know, prayer at the heart. You know, this is a big event that we can be a part of. And if you haven't, checked it out, go online. There are some little cards out at the Get Info table out there, the Get Information station. If you want to pick up one of those cards, you can do the QR code and it will take you directly to their website. Check it out. I know some of you went to the spring this past Thursday that that was incredibly powerful. Unfortunately, I couldn't go. I had to be here at the church for a fire inspection. It's one of those things. Yes, I had to put my inspector Caluso hat on while the inspectors were here doing their tests on, the, on our fire alarm system. So, um, I, so I wasn't able to go, but I heard great things about the prayer gathering. Uh, but there are opportunities that are in front of us, and it's up to us to seize each and every one of those opportunities. And I'm going to have opportunities that you're not going to have, and you're going to have opportunities that I won't have. 
but it's important that we're responsible for the opportunities that the Lord brings across our path, right? And then last week, we looked at the faith that changes everything and what it means to have that faith. And we talked about faith starters, just like there are fire starters, there are faith starters as well. And sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where we need those faith starters to get us believing what God would have us to believe, spark that fire passion within us, if you will. I want to share a message that is entitled, The Power of of going all in, power of going all in, all in for God. Specifically, we're going to look at a, another Old Testament passage. It's the story of Gideon. Anybody remember the story of Gideon? Gideon was a warrior, right? And, uh, but when we first start reading the story, it doesn't look too much like he's a warrior initially, right? And we're going to look at that. And so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 6, go ahead and do that. But I want to I first of all take us to the big idea for this week. And here is the big idea. Going all in even when you're afraid. Even when you're afraid. How many of you know that fear will oftentimes prevent you from doing the thing that God is asking you or calling you to do? right? Matter of fact, that's pretty much typically the way the enemy works, is God will call us to do something, and then the enemy will try to bring fear in to prevent us from following the plan that God has for us. But going all in is, is really applying ourselves to what God has said in spite of the fear that we may have works internally within. And we're going to look at that in a few moments. But I wanted to talk for a moment about um, just this pattern that we see in Scripture of God's people. I know that years ago I saw this drawing that Henry Blackaby together. He referred to it as this cycle. And this cycle that, that God's people oftentimes go through starts with us following God. We're, we're, we're living in obedience to what he calls us to do. We're, we're walking in his path, the path that he has for us. And, and we're doing good. And then all of a sudden there's distractions that come along or there's, there's preoccupations or all of a sudden we're, we're doing okay in life. And, and we, we realize, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good without God. Now, now we, we say, well, no, 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 no. I would never think that, Pastor. I would never, ever think that. But yeah, we do. We do. There's this cycle. God's people go through this cycle. And sometimes we think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay on my own. And I'll cry out to God when I realize that I need him and so on and so forth. That's how the people of Israel were living. And it was this up and down, in and out, this inverted way of living where they would live in obedience for a while and then all of a sudden they would lose their way and they'd be given over to other gods and distractions and preoccupations. And then God would have to bring some situation into their lives to sort of interrupt that flow and to get their attention. And sometimes it was in the, in, in the form of an enemy, an enemy army that would come against them, right? And, and all of a sudden they would be taken captive they would be slaves. And, and then they would cry out to God because they realized how far they had drifted, how far they had wandered. And the fact that they were slaves, that they were captives of their own demise, right? And, and then they would call out to God for help. They would cry out to him, God, save us, right? And we see this pattern happening in the Old Testament over and over and over again. And the thing that I find is very intriguing about the days that we're living in right now is if you take the Old Testament and you just simply move it and you overlay it over the world today, there are a lot of similarities. 
a lot of similarities. Matter of fact, Jonathan Kahn years ago wrote a book called Paradigm. I read that book, it was alarming. Alarming at how similar, similar the days we're living in right now look like ancient Israel. And how when they were given over to other gods, lives just took a turn for the worse and it's repentance then that things were made right again and so that's really kind of what is leading up to this situation that we see here in Judges and the first 11 verses Israel was disobedient towards the Lord again say again because it happened again and again and for seven years they had been slaves harassed and taken advantage of by the Midianites God's people worshiped other gods so the the one true God the one true God stopped defending them. And then as they cried out to God, God responded. And he called Gideon. And that's where we pick it up at verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak, Oprah, that belonged to Joash, the Bezrite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know, for some of us, that would be all we would need to hear right? Hello? If the Lord spoke very clearly, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Be like, yes, sir, I'm ready. Not Gideon. Gideon was like, pardon me, Lord? (laughs) Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, all this happened to us. Where are his wonders and our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. You know, we, we have sort of a snapshot, if you will, into the mind of right here. We see that sort of the circumstances and situation have eroded away at his faith. And uh, we may think, well, how could he allow, have allowed that to happen? Yet we sometimes are guilty of doing the same thing, right? And, and what he was struggling with is what he heard the Lord saying seemed to be the opposite of what he was seeing, Right? And there's some similarities in that too, but I won't go there yet. Let's go to verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Again, pardon me, my Lord? Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Man, this shows us that Gideon had some real trust issues, yeah? I mean, he was having a hard time not only trusting God, but a hard time trusting his people or other people. He was certainly having a hard time trusting himself, right? He seems to be a little bit of a doubter, quite anxious about the situation, more anxious than the average Joe, perhaps. So verse 16 goes on and it says, the Lord answered, I will be with you. You will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talk, that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Verse 19, Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from the epath of uh, flour, he had made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on the rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. 
fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Gideon realized, watch this, pay attention here. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, alas, sovereign Lord, I find this kind of humorous. God's already spoken to him multiple times, right? Isn't that true? But here, all of a sudden, it cuts through. And he says, alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. We're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Abizrites. So we're gonna look at three ways real quick here. Three ways that you can live an all-in life, even you are afraid. It starts with this. Here it is. It starts with believing who God says you are. Believing who God says you are. You see, that's what Gideon was struggled to truly embrace. He was struggling to embrace this thought that, hey, it settles it. When God says it, it's settled. I just need to believe it. But how many of you know sometimes you and I, we have that same issue, right? God will say something to us and we'll go, well, how do I know that it was God? Or am I sure that, that, that this person was speaking on behalf of God to me? Well, here's what I want us to say together. I am who he says I am. Come on, let's say it together. I am who he says I am. Look at your neighbor and say, I am who he says I am. Some of you still need a little more convincing. So look back at them and say, you are who God says you are. We start by believing what he says, right? When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know, most believers, most scholars rather, believe that Jesus is appearing in his pre-incarnate form here in this particular passage of scripture, that this is the pre-incarnate Christ. In other words, Jesus is appearing through this angel to convey a message to Gideon, right? The Lord refers to Gideon as his mighty warrior. And that is the opposite of what it looks like to Gideon. That's why he's wrestling and struggling with how can this be truthful because what I see is this. Sound familiar? Because unfortunately, we live in such a way that seeing is believing. Hello? We live that way? Is that really the way that God wants us to live? No. Otherwise, why would, why would it say in his word that we are to live by faith and not by sight, right? And, and that actually seeing in the spirit realm takes faith to see in the spirit realm. But the natural eye not discern or cannot see. Isn't that true? So we sometimes struggle just like Gideon is struggling in this particular passage of scripture Gideon is being oppressed and ruled by an ungroup of, right? He was in hiding. How many of you know warriors don't hide? Hello, right? Especially the mighty ones. He's referred to as a mighty warrior, not just a warrior, but a mighty warrior. So as Christ followers, you know, you and I are oftentimes challenged by what we don't see happening. All right. Drop the mic. I don't, have, I don't want to damage one of our mics. Otherwise, I would literally do that for you. 
right? We are challenged by what we don't see. We in faith need to embrace what God says. It's not as important what we see. What is most important is what he says. If God says he's going to do it, then that means he's going to do it. If he says you are, then you are. If he says I am, then I am, right? You know, when you look in a mirror, you might see an insufficient parent, but God sees an amazing dad or an amazing mom. Oh, you might see a failing business owner, but God sees an incredible entrepreneur. (laughs) You might see a subpar student. God sees a graduate in the making, right? They see a broken, failed, lost person, but God sees a whole, successful, found individual or a child of almighty God, if you will. There are many examples in scripture over and over of those who are unqualified or inadequate. Moses saw a stuttering failure. Did he not? God saw a great leader. Moses saw a stuttering failure. How many of you look at your life sometimes like Moses looked at his and said, I can't and here's why. And we make, we, we put, we, we put that list. If it's not written down, sometimes it's written down up here. Yeah. And we, we create that list of the reasons why God can't use us in a way that he says he wants to use us. Right. How about Solomon? Solomon was a man too young to be king. God gave him wisdom beyond his years. Yeah. Peter saw a sinful man. Not only a sinful man, but a man that denied Christ. Jesus say to him, upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter, you are the leader. And upon the revelation that the Lord Jesus has given you, I'm going to build my church. He was one of the core leaders in the early church, even though he failed and denied Christ. If there's hope for Peter, there's hope for me. There's hope for you, right? I know I oftentimes say, if Satan can use Peter, he can use any of us. I say that regularly. But I also want to say this. I want to go on record saying this. If, if he can redeem Peter, then he can redeem you. And he can redeem the lost opportunities that I have as well, right? I am who he says I am. Let's look at who he says we are. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are, say that with me, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And wait, there's more. Come on, work with me out there, guys. Galatians 3, 26 through 28. So in Christ Jesus, say it with me. You are, oh, come on, you can do better than that. You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Yeah? Amen, and there's more. There's more. There's more promises. Here's another one. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Or you could say that is who we are, right? 
Romans 8, 15 through 17, you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. In fear, again, <laughs> added emphasis, fear again, right? How many of you have been delivered from fear only to have it come back again? Yeah? Well, you can overcome that. How? The spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Come on. That tells us who we are. More importantly, whose we are, who we belong to, what desires to do with our lives, right? Listen, listen to this part. This is so critical for us. What you believe about yourself determines the direction of your life. Come on, hello? Do I have to get out the weapons again? What you believe about yourself. Come on, I am, right? Who he says I am. And I'm gonna gonna shoot straight because he told me to. Matter of fact, I'm gonna empty my quiver. I'm I'm gonna shoot all the arrows because he told me to put my trust in him. Right? Problem again with, with uh, King Jehoash was he did what? Three times. Or he could have literally shot three arrows striking the ground, right? Didn't shoot them all. Why? Maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons why was what we're dealing with right here. Here. Well, I got to keep some arrows in my quiver because I don't know who I'm going to run into later today. Or I got to hold on to this because I don't know, you know, hard times are coming. If I give my money to the church, then I don't know what I'm going to do if hard times come. Isn't that sometimes what the enemy, how the enemy will play with our minds? And he'll give us his logic. Notice I said his logic. Not divine logic, but his logic, right? But if we're going to go all in for Christ, we have got to believe who he says we are. Gideon wasn't experiencing peace because there was a gap, a gap between what he believed about himself and who God said he was or who God called him to be, a gap. Is it possible that you and I are struggling with this gap, gap that separates doing for God, being for God, and living a life that is just fully devoted all in for him versus holding some back for ourselves or giving our effort over here and over there when God says, no, I need your effort here. Yeah? You know, unfortunately, as a pastor, I see, I see so much. And so much of what I see breaks my heart because I see a lot of times uh, these, these wounds that we experience, they are self-induced wounds. Because we don't wholeheartedly engage and follow God in obedience. And we draw back, pull back. And it's not this kind of pulling back, right? No, it's just just retreating. Like, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid what God might ask of me. Come on, somebody. Have you ever ever thought that thought before? I think we're all honest in this room. At some point in time, we've all had that fleeting thought run through our minds. Unfortunately, sometimes that thought takes root in our hearts and our lives, and it prevents us, and it creates fear. 
It prevents us from truly engaging and living an all-in lifestyle for God because we believe certain things about ourselves instead of believing what God says about us. And that brings me to point two. Believe God is with you. That he says what he says about you That's what you need to embrace, but also you need to believe that he is there, he is with you. Because another problem that Gideon had, another problem, the fact that that he was struggling believing that God was going to be there with him. Boy, it took three times for the Lord to finally break through to him and to clear up the fear, right? Alas, the sovereign Lord. Isn't that what he said? Alas. No, Gideon, that means you missed the first two times the Lord spoke. There have been times in my life where the Lord spoke and I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure that's you, Lord. Right? Can you confirm it? Can you make it a little more clear than what I feel like it is right now? Ever said that to the Lord? Of course. Of course we have. But that's when we need to believe that God is with us, right? He says here in this passage, I will be with you and you will strike down the enemy. You will strike down the Midianites. Who are the Midianites in your lives? Who are the enemies in your lives, in my life and in your life as an individual? Because as God was saying to Gideon, so he is speaking to you and I today when he says, I will be with you. I will help you. You won't face this alone. You won't go through this alone. It says this in Colossians 1.27. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament says, Christ in you the hope of glory. That's where the hope of glory comes in. It's not in what I can muster up, what you can muster up, what, what some TV evangelist can muster up for you. No, it, it starts with how you believe and how you see yourself. Yeah? Oh, I was gonna go somewhere, but not. <laughs> Let me just say this. Be, be careful with the prophets that are out there today. I've heard some prophets, prophets that went on record saying, King Charles will never be crowned king. Well, you know what? It happened yesterday. <laughs> Careful, right? Sometimes the flesh kicks in. I'm not saying that you shouldn't listen to prophets. No. But you need to chew the meat and spit out the bones. Can they be wrong? Yes. Does that mean that we negate prophecy in general? Absolutely not. We should still embrace the prophetic, but we have to weigh it. Right? I, I, I would say if a prophet keeps saying this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and none of that happens, maybe you need to move on and listen to another prophet saying, right? Enough said. I'm moving on. So we need to cultivate our faith, not based on what this person says or that person says, but on what God says. Amen? Cultivate our faith as we establish that faith in his word, right? As a Christ follower, you have God living in you. I have God living within me. But you may not feel like God is with you. There are times I don't, there are times I feel like my prayers are kind of pinging off the ceiling. Anybody else? That doesn't stop me from believing that God hears me because I know he hears me. I know he's listening, even though I may not feel a certain way. And this is true in this regard as well. He is with us even when we may sense a sort of this isolation or absence. He's still there. How do I know that? Because his word says so. 
His word tells me he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Right? So we need to get into our word. We need to get into the Bible. We need to spend time in prayer so that we can remember who we are in him, right? Praying for our families, praying for our kids, coming to church. It's important, right? And I'm preaching to the choir because you're here, right? <laughs> coming to church is important. Living out our faith in front of others, it's important. It says this in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want to talk about something here just real quick. You know, in this situation, and this is curious to me, because I would think, what's the absence of... Um, what is the absence of fear? It's just a question. What's the absence of fear? What does that look like? And I would think the opposite of fear would be like courage. Wouldn't you? The absence of fear would be courage. For me, that would be like my definition. Biblically speaking, though, the opposite of fear in this passage, peace. Peace. See, when, when our soul is so afflicted within at times with what we see, notice I said what we see, right? In the natural, what we see. Sometimes we're so conflicted within by what we see, we struggle to overcome that fear, that feeling of being afraid. That's what was happening to Gideon in this situation. Because of what he saw going on, because of the circumstances that he found himself in, he was afraid. You ever been there? Yes, we all have. To find ourselves in that predicament right now, what the Lord wants to really speak into our hearts and lives today, peace, peace. Courage is part of it, right, Pastor? You bet, it's with peace. Because we have to have that understanding, that, that, that peace that just so fills our hearts that we can say, now I can believe. Now I can believe. And when I receive that peace, and that peace just declarations based on the fact that we have experienced his peace, his presence his peace. Isn't that true? And that leads me to the last point. And I'm going to convey it even more here, here in just a minute. Believe what God says about you. Believe what he says about what he says about his church. Verse 23 of Judges chapter 6 says this. But the Lord said to him. Here it is. Peace. Not be afraid. You are not going to die. You're going to be okay, Gideon. You know what? You're going to be okay, fill in the blank, with your name. You're going to be okay. Is with you. Even though circumstances may look completely different than what you're hearing from God. Be an arrow striker who doesn't just go, I'm out, but is persistent hangs in there and the quiver, so to speak. If you're going to live like that, you're going to have to believe God and take him at his word. As hard as that might be. As countercultural as that is. I'm going to believe what God says about me, about you, about us, right? When God says something, let's just take, you know, creation as an example. God said, let there be light, there was light, right? Matter of fact, 
All through the creation story, God spoke it, came into existence. If God's never changed, Jesus is referred to as the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that the same creator that spoke this world into existence can speak some solutions into our lives. Into our lives individually as well as into the church at large, right? One word can totally change everything. That's why peace is such a powerful word. When the angel of the Lord said peace, Gideon was at peace. God was calling him to do. Now the word shalom that's used here for peace, there's some variations in the meaning of the word peace. And while it still means peace, while shalom still means peace, it also can mean safe. So he was promising Gideon, you're gonna be safe, afraid. Gotcha. I got this. Somebody in the room this morning needs to hear that. The Lord is saying to you, I got this. <laughs> I've heard the Lord say that to me numerous times. Randy, you are fretting and you are all, you, you are full of anxiety. I got this. I got this. I, I can be going off saying, but Lord, but, 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 but. I got this. Peace. Experience my peace. Know with certainty that I'm here. I got you and I got this situation. Right? We are who God says we are, but we must believe what he says he's going to do in us and through us, right? After all, our lives are hidden away with him. God, let's go New Testament for a moment, right? Because we are New Testament followers of Christ. We are reading the Old Testament through the filter of redemption. Yeah? We're, we're reading through the lenses of Christ difference that Christ has made in our lives. And it says in Colossians 3.3, 3, it says that for you died. <laughs> I'm a dead man walking. For you died and your life, my life is now hidden with Christ in God. Hidden in him. My life is hidden in Christ. And just in case you need a, a, a reinforcement for peace, here you go, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Christ. Verse 24, verse 24 of Judges chapter six. So Gideon put an altar to the Lord and there called it, the Lord is peace. Not only was this an encounter with God that was like, okay, here, I have what you need, now move on. No, this was such that he built an altar he worshiped because he had an encounter with God in this moment that changed his life. This peace wasn't just a, I'll help you feel good in the moment and then you move on. No, this peace that God spoke into Gideon's life a life-changing peace. So much so that Gideon had the courage and he had the boldness to lead this ragtag army into battle. How many did he have in his army? He only had 300. Now, for us, we think, well, that's a lot of people. Not when you're up against an army that is thousands and they started out with thousands right? But no, I need those in your army again that are committed, fully committed, that are all in for me. 
And I think that's what the Lord is asking the church today. Church, are you going to be all in? Are you going to go into this battle even though you may think, how is this possible that we're going to win this battle? We are so few against so many. We need to be like Gideon. And it needs to be settled in our hearts as the Lord gives us his peace and his assurance and step out in faith, believing. And we say, God, I don't know how. I know that my trust is in you and not myself, right? It's in you. Because Gideon led this army of 300 and conquered the enemy. (laughs) What a great story. A man who was so full of fear and he's going, Lord, I think you got the wrong person. Are you sure you got, hold on here, wait a minute. You got the wrong guy. I mean, I'm from this clan. I'm from this family. I'm the least in my family. Move on, Lord, you got the wrong guy. He went from that person to being a commander of an army of 300 who conquered the enemy. Why? Because he went all in. He said, okay, I'll do what you Tell me to do because I know who I am in you because that peace gives me the assurance I need. Father, we just come before you right now. We come before you right now and we call on your name for peace and assurance. To give to the Lord morning whatever anxiety you might have about your situation, about the lay of the land that you see in your own life, your own family, your job situation, family dynamics, Whatever it might be, a diagnosis, a sickness, an illness, it's just stirring fear in your heart. Can I get somebody to come to the keyboard for just a moment? Mattia, would you come and play just for a minute? But I, I just want to ask you to take us from our place that we find ourselves struggling, wrestling, doubting ourselves because we're focusing on what we can see instead of what we can't at see through face eyes. Teach us how to believe which we can't see. Reveal your heart to us, God. Show us, Lord God. Show us what it means, Lord, to say yes to you, even though we may question whether it's you speaking. Lord, there are just some things that we need to settle in our hearts because if you're asking us to do good, the enemy would never ask us to do good. So that can be settled real quick in our hearts as to whether or not we're hearing you. Because if you prompt us to believe you for something, help us to embrace that fully as your word. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to continue to shoot the arrows of faith. And Lord, sometimes the arrows come back at us. And that's why we need to have the full armor of God on. Because that shield of faith extinguishes the flaming arrows that the enemy sends our direction. Arrows of doubt, arrows of fear, arrows of inferiority, arrows of rejection, you name it. Arrow after arrow, the enemy shoots. But we have that shield of faith and we can uphold that shield of faith and that shield of faith can completely extinguish Extinguish every flaming arrow of the evil one. And we can experience, Lord, even in the midst of battle, your peace. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So, Lord, would you grant that this morning to your people, the peace of God? 
And may we in return say yes to you, to what you're calling us to do, where you're calling us to serve, how you're calling us to live. May we say yes with confidence because we're basing it on that assurance that you drop and deposit into our spirit. We receive it by faith. We accept it by faith. And we step out now to live it out by faith. So right now, whatever it is, I can think of a couple of things for me personally that I'm just laying out there this morning. And maybe you're right there with me. You're like, Lord, here, I, I need you to work in this situation, in that situation. I need your assurance here. I need your assurance there. So speak, move in our hearts, in our lives. Settle it within us, Lord God. Give us that assurance, that faith, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. I honor you and I worship you. And I give you praise this morning because you are worthy of my worship and my praise. He's worthy, isn't he, church? <laughs> He's worthy of our praise. All my life, you have been faithful. That's what we just sang earlier. All my life, you have been so, so good. He has been, hasn't he? Let's rehearse that in our hearts and our minds. The faithfulness of God and that assurance that he longs to bring to our lives today. We pray this in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.